Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. We're also joined this time around by Scott Birkinshaw, tax partner and head of Radius at Shorts. Radius is a new service set up to help tech businesses with R&D tax credits and innovation funding. So we're looking forward to hearing all about that. Um, as always, we have to say thank you to Rebel Base Media, um, which is where we're sat podcasting right now from their fantastic studio. You can also use this studio. Just go to their website and find out more. And you can also use various other podcasting services from Rebel Base Media too. So go and check them out and a big thank you. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Uh, and welcome, Scott. First of all, if you could give us just a bit of a background uh, to yourself. Uh, what was your route into your current position? What do you do? And um, and finally, what's your interest in the Sheffield digital scene? That's three questions in one, isn't it? That's kind of yeah, cheating. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. So, um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a Sheffield lad, um, married with two children, uh, left university with a law degree, ended up doing tax because uh, it was legally based and it was specialist. Um, climbed the ladder in various firms as, uh, as I went through the ranks in the tax profession and joined Shorts seven years ago. Um, with the aim really to sort of do it my way on the tax side of things and uh, create a different a different sort of accountancy firm in Sheffield. So that's how I got to where I am now. Um, what do I do? Well, I advise businesses and their owners on um, how to optimise the tax tax position, basically. So that's that's a range of things, but obviously the one that we're going to focus on today is the R and D tax credits, which we'll talk about. Uh, later, no doubt. Um, my interest in digital, I've always been interested in digital, so I used to have a go at writing games in BASIC on my Commodore 64. Get in. Uh, <laughs> Commodore Plus 4, so I had a crack at all that. Um, I was an early adopter of technology at school, which used to bamboozle the teachers a bit, and uh, and ever since then I've been interested in technology and software, and, uh, you know, we like playing around with it, even within our own firm. And... Uh, with my specialism being the R&D tax credits, obviously we help a lot of technical, uh, digital and technical businesses with that stuff. So, you know, I've got a good appreciation of what they do and the difference they can make to the sector. So just keen to help them out really and help move the local economy forward. That sounds excellent. I'm interested, you said something about doing tax your way. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, how, what you mean? Um, so we just try to be really proactive and the fact that we've launched this radius service and, you know, we help so many businesses with that um, sort of illustrates that really. So, um, you know, lots of the tax practices that I've worked with in the past are in big firms and you don't really get the freedom and the time to be proactive. So that's what I like to do. So, uh, yeah, at Shorts, we've tried to develop added value services that can help businesses in a number of ways rather than just being traditional accountants. So... So that that's yeah. that's the difference, really. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and Shorts has been a sponsor of Sheffield Digital from pretty much from when we set up, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's it's been great. And I sing your praises a lot Thank because you. you keep me out of trouble with the tax man and other people like that. But what what motivated you to form that relationship with Sheffield Digital, and and how have you seen since evolved things? Blah, can't talk this morning. Okay. How have you seen things evolve over the past four years or so? Yeah, so um, as we as we started doing more work with digital businesses, um, you know, we identified it as a key sector in the city and an area that we were strong in. Um, so you start then looking for partners to help move things forward and get greater exposure and to work with. And Sheffield Digital was the the obvious one at the time. So that's why we got involved initially. Um, in terms of evolution, uh, you know, it's been good to see the profile raise and the gravitas raise and the work that you do increase. So, um, you know, and then the recent events and the thought leadership and the helping out with skills and all the other things that you do, um, it's been good really to see... Uh, see our side of things grow alongside your profile increasing too great that's nice to know isn't it chris yeah well i was going to say i think we you know we've seen a real change in the number or the amount of startup support there is Mm. in the city Mm. and obviously you know you're um you're creating a a name and a brand for yourself in in 
supporting tech businesses, including small and growing tech businesses. So, um, I, you know, we're we're really just pleased to see the business base expanding. And, you know, we're talking to Katie from Collider, um, you know, a couple of podcasts ago. And, yep. and, you know, she's there's 27 startups coming out of or embedded in there already since April. Yep. We've got three permanent accelerators in the city now where four years ago we had none. Um, so, yeah, the ecosystem seems to be growing as yep. well. Yep, certainly. Yep. Yep. So uh, we see that too. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the sort of vibe and the environment is conducive to it in Sheffield. You know, mm. I think we're a, a pretty creative bunch just generally. Um, I think it's hard for any startup to get traction and break through. Um, but I think, you know, we're making a decent fist of it. And, uh, you know, not everybody's going to succeed, but we've seen a fair few come through and move on to great things. Mm. And obviously that's what we all want for the local economy. Yeah. So we're going to come back and talk a bit more about the general landscape in Sheffield. Mm. But before we do that, it'd be good for you to tell us a little bit more about the radius service because mm -hmm. we announced it at the AGM last night. There's now information up on the website, but always best to hear this kind of stuff from the horse's mouth. Yeah. So just quickly tell us about it. Tell us why businesses should be interested in it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so the, the radius service, one of the key things we deliver is helping businesses claim R and D tax credits. Now, they are tax credits that the government want you to claim, so there's there's nothing dodgy about it. You're not going to end up on the front page of the sun if you claim <laughs> them. Um, and, and basically, they are there as an economic lever to try and encourage UK PLC to innovate because we're not going to win on cost against emerging economies. So the credits give anybody who's brave enough to throw money at tackling a, 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 an uncertainty or to try and move things forward, developing products and processes, they get... Um, they get tax reliefs through the tax system for uh, the benefit of doing that. So it's really beneficial. So for a, for a company that can claim, they get 25 pence out of every pound they spend on uh, on qualifying innovation. So it's the biggest tax giveaway going with the government's blessing. Um, so we've invested heavily in a team who are specialists in this, and we've built that up over a number of years. And it helps local businesses access valuable indirect grants really from the government which they can then reinvest in in further innovation so it, it's it's really really important stuff so um you know the idea with a link up is that between us we make sure that businesses who are eligible get the hands on the cash that the government wants to give them really mm. um so we've got pretty slick processes and a, a mature way of doing this so it's just to try and uh, easily signpost eligible companies to get the hands on the money uh, as painlessly as possible, really. Do you have any examples of companies that are currently taking advantage of it with you uh, that you can share? Um, or, or what they're doing? What they're doing? Well, on, so on the digital side of things, I don't really want to name any names, um, but we have people who are out-and-out -out developers. So it's writing new stuff, basically. So new products, new apps, new software, Um you know, real blue sky stuff, if you like. So, you know, that stuff normally qualifies. Um, when I look at other sectors, so obviously, um, you know, technology, software, digital stuff permeates across all sectors. So we work with manufacturers who are putting new systems in, um, just getting systems talking to each other, really. Um, so there's a number of key triggers. I think if you're dealing with algorithms, then, you know, that's a decent indicator that you're going to be doing qualifying stuff. But it's just basically, it's just problem solving on the on the development side of things. And as I said, I think there's, there's product development and then there's dealing with requests from customers that force you to tinker under the bonnet of systems, if you like. So they're the key areas that mm. we tend to see claims in. So it's, it's not just... It's not just products and and services that uh, originate from the from the company. Yeah, it's client work as well. So yeah, yeah. you know, so Absolutely. agencies and consultancies can take advantage too. Yeah, so um, not just on the digital side, but across all sectors, um, a lot of the claims that we see are people problem solving. Yeah. So if you're going in and troubleshooting for people who've perhaps got something off the shelf and it doesn't quite work, or they want to get one system talking to another then that sort of troubleshooting work often gives rise to uh, qualifying R&D claims, yeah. yeah. I know from, I mean, I've had conversations with some, some of the larger manufacturing companies in the past and 
you know, about similar things and just to understand how they operate. And um, I know that um, several of them use innovation or R&D tax credits as a way of soaking up excess capacity in their organisation. So so they have innovation projects that run on the side of their main operation mm-hmm. that, you know, that they assign people to who aren't working on the current whatever it is or machinery or, you know, it's time and, you know, and they do it, you know, not that they ever really necessarily want to see something, you know, something of value out of it, Mm. but you know, they can offset it against their corporation tax through the tax tax credit system. Um, and it's a, it's common practice in, in, in some of these industries, it's just common practice that this is how they do it. And, and sometimes good things come out of it and they improve their processes and they they create things that that have a, have a longer life, but um, I'm not sure. I don't think tech companies and a lot of smaller tech companies in, in our ecosystem um, realize that it's available and how easy it is. And I guess that's where Radius comes in because it it's designed to make it easy to access. Yeah, exactly right. So I think um, the one trigger that people should take away is if, if you're paying technical specialists, and that might be yourself, to solve technical problems, then there's a chance that you can claim. So you should explore whether the relief's available. So whether you're the technical director in a company or you're a one-man band or you're a consultant if you're involved in that sort of stuff then there's a chance that you can claim the relief um and you know it it is it is fairly complex but that's where we come in because we can just demystify it and uh, and get it all sorted pretty quickly as i said before the government want you to claim the government want to give people an incentive to try something different if we all just carry on doing the same old same old Mm. then eventually we'll get overtaken by somebody else so it's interesting that it's not really working as an incentive in a lot of cases because people are doing it anyway and not claiming. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously for some, for some in some industry sectors more than others, it is working as an incentive because yeah. that that's the reason that they're doing this stuff. Yeah. But in, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it it is a mixed bag. Um, but uh, you know, I can think of plenty of cases where you know perhaps the tech guy who wasn't aware of this, we brought it to his attention, and then he's going to the MD saying, "Right, I've got this money in the bank from HMRC now." I want to go and do that that I've been nagging you about for ages. Right. Um, so there's a knock-on benefit from yeah, 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 yeah. reinvesting the yeah. windfall. I also think it's a way for uh, smaller agencies or development houses to be able to afford extra time mm. to work on something. Yep. Um, and if they can, you know, work their cash flow around in order to be able to do it, it solves that problem of, God, there's stuff that we really want to do and we just don't have time to do it. And here's a way that you can Mm. fund that. And one of the things, having had experience of R&D tax credits with a startup that I was involved in, um, not one of my clients, but but something I was actually part of, the cash comes back pretty fast Mm. as well, which compared with other things when you're trying to get money back from the government, it's you know, it's very different. So you can actually plan that into your cash flow and think about how you can use that investor to reinvest back into the company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, certainly once people get a grip on the availability of this and they've seen the benefit once, then you can factor it into your cash flows. And, mm-hmm. and that's what it's intended to do. It's intended to to give you the, the indirect subsidy back from the government, if you like, to give you that breathing, breathing space to go on to do other things. And if you're a if you're a, a business that is continually developing, then yeah, you know, factor it into your cash flows. Um, you know, we've got we've got lots of companies that claim this regularly, along with uh, a couple of other innovation reliefs, and they've effectively got a zero percent corporation tax rate with the government's blessing. So when you think that that rate's thickened to twenty percent, you know, it's a valuable uh, boost to the coffers every year. Yeah. What's what's the uh What's the definition of, of tech in in this uh, case? You've talked about quite quite techy, so about about developers and yeah, and uh, and making systems talk to each other, that kind of thing. Yeah, is there does it stretch to the other end of digital? So maybe you're more on the creative side of things. Um, is it is it looks at on a project by project basis, or is it more on right? You have to you have to fit these specific criteria. Yeah, there are quite a few detailed criteria. Um, that I wouldn't want to bore you with today. It'd take too long. Um, I think, you know, if you are attacking um, uncertainties in what you're doing, which are of a technical nature. So I think what I say is if you're working under the bonnet of a system or a software product, you know, if you're doing, 
you know, new coding where it's perhaps patching together things that haven't been patched before or creating new algorithms. You know, if you're doing architectural stuff, wherever that is, then then that tends to be the qualifying stuff. But yeah, there's there's oodles of guidance and HMRC rulings and things. But again, that's what we that's what we navigate. It's to, it's to take me an hour to explain it here today. So it, it probably wouldn't cover a marketing campaign or, or a content campaign. I was thinking less about campaigns, but if you're building a website or a web service and mm-hmm. there's loads of there's loads of development goes on, but there's also another side to that, which is what it looks like on the front or what it sounds like on the fronts. Any yeah. any audio production, any video production, that kind of thing. Yeah, so we, we get asked about websites quite a lot. So pure cosmetics, you know, making something look cooler than the competitions is unlikely to qualify. Um, I think where we see website work qualifying is where, as I say, you're having to go under the bonnet. So if you've got, you know, stock systems patching into it, if you've got sales systems, CRMs, um, you know, detailed bespoke architecture underneath the website, if you like, then, then that's where we see qualifying stuff. But yeah, pure cosmetics doesn't qualify really. Yeah, but people, if if they're interested in finding out whether they're d- doing work that qualifies, mm-hmm. they can definitely just come and have a chat to you and your team and, yeah. and just ask the question and yeah. then take it from there. So we'd really encourage people to find out rather than assuming, mm-hmm. oh, I probably don't qualify, mm-hmm. is find out because you never know, there might be something that does. I- Absolutely. And probably half the claims we do, we've had to convert a very sceptical person who <laughs> assumes that they don't qualify. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we do all the demystifying of the rules, so we know what they are. So to be honest, in a 10-minute chat, if somebody just explains to us what they've been doing that's stretching them, then we can tell pretty quickly whether it's worth a, a further examination. Yeah. So we've talked about how this kind of funding can help support innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we like to think that the digital industries are, you know, innovative because they are, that's what they do. Yeah. But you get to see all kinds of businesses all across Sheffield and the region. Mm-hmm. How do you think we're doing in terms of innovation? What does the landscape look like to you? Um, so I, I get asked this quite a lot. Um, I would say... Is it, is it by Mel? Sorry? <laughs> is it by Mel? Oh, all sorts of people. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all sorts of people. Um we we do great stuff across all sectors, not just the digital sector. Um, and I suspect that's probably the case in other regions. But, um, you know, the, there's world-class stuff that we see hidden away. Um, I think, you know, in this region, we tend to be a bit modest. We don't like to show off too much. And I think it, it holds us back, to be honest. I think we should do a bit more of that. Um, you know, often my best advice to companies that have come across that are doing this stuff is get some decent marketing. So I can help you get some money back from HMRC, but you need to exploit this. You know, you've got a great product, go for it. Um, So I think, as I said before, I think we are naturally creative in this neck of the woods. We have been for a while, you know, there's a rich heritage in all sorts of areas of, uh, you know, cultural stuff and manufacturing and and now on the digital side of things. So that's definitely a strength. I think the local economy is perhaps uh, less saturated than in other big cities, which is is a benefit in some regards because there's good opportunities for people who come up with good stuff. Um, but it is a bit of a downside in that I think we'd all like a bigger economy that's a bit more buoyant, mm-hmm. but, um, but that does present opportunities. Um, I think, and, and this is probably the case with with other big cities as well, it, it is hard to sort of navigate your way through from a good idea to start up to getting established and getting everything you need. But obviously that's part of what, what you guys are doing in terms of signposting people. Um, but, uh, and I think there's, and again, it's back to that South Yorkshire mentality, I think, where it's sort of head down and get on with it. I think we're perhaps a, a little more reluctant to, to have a crack at innovating. Um than maybe in other places. So, you know, we see businesses who've got a good idea, but they just don't want to throw any money at it. And I get that, you know, if, if things are tight, but, you know, I've said to people, well, why don't you get a graduate in for a year or, you know, there's loads of funding around things like that. Why don't you just chuck a bit of time at it? There's loads of support with the R&D tax credits, innovation grants, help from the universities. There's loads of support um, around the city if you're brave enough to have a crack at stuff. So... Um, it, it's all right me saying it, isn't it? But I think, you know, if if 
if people were just a little braver and followed the hunch a bit more and, and took advantage of the support that's there, then, uh, you know, that might improve things a bit. But, um, yeah, yeah, generally, as I say, we're a, you know, we're a pretty innovative region. Um, local economy is buoyant, I think, to be fair, at the minute. You know, there's lots of good things going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, strengths and weaknesses, but mm. I always take a positive view. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Glass half full kind of exactly. guy. Exactly. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Um, sorry. Do you, sorry. Do you think one of the problems is that people just don't know about these things? Does, do people know that the universities can can help them and, and how? I've worked for one of them twice, and I don't really know how how that yeah. university would particularly help. This, I think that you've hit on a key thing: is that there's. There is so much stuff and it's just not easy enough to find. Yeah. It's not yeah. visible enough and it's not joined up enough. I think it has to be said. I mean, it, it, I think Sheffield, I mean, it's sometimes described as a hidden gem or, you know, um, that people don't realise how much is going on, doesn't shout about itself. Big it's not village, really ambitious, lovely you know, hills, look at things. our parks. But in, in some ways, I mean, I've been Steel. Talking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> what do you know about Sheffield? Yes, well. Um, but... Seeing things like Pendo come in, you know, or receptive cell to Pendo and Pendo, um, you know, I was talking to Dan Dukeson from Pendo um, at the AGM and, you know, he's now setting up an engineering division here in Sheffield. They've just moved into Eagle Works. And as far as Pendo is concerned, Sheffield's the best thing ever. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's got all of these skilled people. They really deliver rapidly. They know what they're doing. They've got incredible real estate. It's incredibly cheap. Um, they, they they couldn't have found a better place to yeah. to build, you know, a technology company. Uh, with, and you know they're they're in, they're investing here, and and you know the the guys, you know Dan and and Hannah and everyone else at Pendo are just are just delivering thing after thing for them, and they're absolutely ecstatic. So, so if we can do that for external companies, mm. we can do that for our own homegrown ones as well. And if I was, sorry, and if I was doing marketing for the city and for the, for the city oh, region, I would be on the phone to it. Pendo saying, please come Give over from quote. the US and we'll take you down to London and get you talking to all the national newspapers about why you chose to set up your UK yeah. base in Same Sheffield. for Bossanova as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got so many of these stories and mm. we just don't capitalise on them. And we don't, we don't just grab them and shake them and get as much out of them as we can. And I don't know why that is. It frustrates me. Yeah, it's back to what I said earlier. You know, we don't show off enough. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, I've seen a few things recently where, you know, digital industries are talking to other sectors and that's that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think if, if we can do a bit more, a bit more confidence and a bit more patching different sectors together to come up with new stuff, then, uh, you know, that would have a huge impact, I'm sure. Um, I guess one of the things that we should talk about, um, just to uh, circle back to Radius, is mm. the costs and what the business model is behind it and and how that works. I'm sure lots of people listening, businesses are thinking, oh, this sounds like a good idea, are going to want to know yeah. what the deal is. Yeah. So, um, we, so we do all the work for a, a company. So we, we interview the technical staff and, and we write the claim up. Um, so... Often people leave businesses with homework and leave them to do it themselves and then charge them at the right. end of it. So, so we come in and, and sort of grasp it and get it done. Um, and so we tend to charge on a percentage of tax saved, really, because that, that works for everybody. So if people are sceptical, then they can't lose out. Um, so it's like no win, no fee kind of thing. If yeah, you don't make yeah. a successful claim, then Correct. you don't take a commission. Yeah, yeah. And I think that gives people confidence that if we say you qualify, then... You know, we've got to go and make that happen in order for us to get paid. Um, so, yeah, it gives people reassurance that perhaps if they are a bit sceptical or or costs are tight, they know they're not going to pay us anything unless they get far more back themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, no win, no fee sounds a bit, a bit salesy in some regards. But t- to be honest, if we charged people just based on hourly rates, which is how accountancy firms typically work, it ends up at about the same, um, right? The same in any case, but uh, it just—it's all about making it easy for. But people. It's, it's proportionate to the amount that, that companies are going to get. So even yeah. if their claims are likely to be small, they're not going to lose that whole claim because no, no. they're paying your fees. No, no. And what we'd do is, if we look at a claim and actually it could be quite small, 
you know, we're commercial about it. So we'll say, look, you know, it's going to take your time up and our time up. Do you actually want to do this at, at, at this level of claim? Okay. But yeah, once we're happy that there's enough in it for everybody to give the time up, then yeah, it's a percentage of tax saved. And, uh, you know, the business ends up with far more out of it than we do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how we charge for it. Do, yeah. you, do, you, do you have a rough idea of what enough is? As in, uh, if you both get enough out of it? Is there, a, is there a figure or a... Yeah, so we normally charge 20% of tax saved. So that's our starting point. Um, you know, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, dependent on complexity and, and, and other factors, but that's that's what it typically looks like. So do you have sort of a minimum claim level in mind, below which it's not really worth doing? Um, we don't have one of those ourselves. So, you know, we're keen to help businesses of all shapes and sizes and we can shrink our work accordingly. Yeah. So we don't want to be, um, you know, arrogant, if you like, and snobby in any way. If there's a local business that needs some help, then, you know, all money's valuable, really. I think where the cost-benefit analysis comes in is if they're busy and they're going to have to give up, you know, a day to help us pull the claim together for, I don't know, a thousand pounds worth of tax back, then they might say, well, in that day I can go and earn a thousand pounds doing something else. So it's only at the real small end, yeah. I think, where we just say to people, look, you know, do we really want to uh, commit to this? Yeah. Good. And is, is there a, is there a, a tie up between Sheffield Digital and Radius around that commission? There is. Okay. <laughs> we, am I preempting something? I thought no, it was a good, no, good no, point to not at all. So um, we, part of the arrangement because of the sponsorship deal between Shorts and Sheffield Digital is that if there is an introduction that leads to a successful claim through Sheffield Digital, so if someone comes through us and then to Radius, then a very small percentage of the fee that Shorts gets comes back to Sheffield Digital. So it doesn't come off what goes to the company. No. It comes off Shorts fee. Yeah. So it's a way, f it's really a way for Shorts to do more to help businesses in the city and support Sheffield Digital out of that as well. Yeah, yeah. And and it just reflects the time that you guys have got to invest in making all this stuff happen as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get to reinvest it in the community and... yeah. Should be a virtuous circle. Yeah. Exactly. That's and, the idea. And, and it's all courtesy of HMRC. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we, we pay enough to as it is. Yeah. <laughs> but but with their blessing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're um we're on a, a a panel of professionals who liaise with HMRC on all this stuff about best practice and is it easy enough for people to claim? And they desperately want people to be claiming this. Because if people are claiming it, then they're doing the right stuff for the economy. Yeah. Especially here where Productivity is famously so low and, mm. you know, one thing that I think Sheffield and South Yorkshire really need is more innovation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have to be a, does an organisation have to be a, an existing Shorts client or become a Shorts client to do this or can it be a standalone sort of joint project or joint efforts? So you don't have to be an existing Shorts client. Um, we we do R&D claims for lots of companies who've got existing accountants that they're quite happy with who perhaps haven't got the expertise that we've got. So we're quite happy to just come in and do this on a project basis, uh, do this work, and then go away and leave them to uh, carry on doing what they're doing. So no, there's no tie-ups or anything like that. It's just uh, on, a, on an arising project-by-project -project basis. One-off. Yeah. Okay. So there's more information about this on the website and, you know, you can always go and talk, just talk to Shorts and find out more. And if you want an introduction to Shorts, you can just come through Sheffield Digital and we will put you in contact. What I'd like to do, Scott, is circle back to something you said earlier about how you thought, you know, the local economy was fairly buoyant at the mm -hmm. moment and things were going well. And I know we haven't really talked about this on the podcast before, but I really think we need to now, which is Brexit mm -hmm. and all the uncertainty. We didn't want you to causing. explode in, in, no, in live right. action. I'm feeling very chill today <laughs> and I will try not to go completely, uh, I was going to say incredible <laughs> topical <laughs> reference there. Anyway, um, with, with, the uncertainty, the fact that just none of us have the faintest idea what's going to happen or mm -hmm. when it might happen. How are the businesses that you work with reacting and what, if anything, are they doing to prepare themselves? Um, so honestly, the overriding sentiment is one of fatigue yeah. and indifference. Yeah. Um, 
and that is businesses of all shapes and sizes and other intermediaries and professionals and organisations that we talk to around the city, uh, not in, not just in this region, but in other regions where we where we do work as well. So I think if I spoke to a typical business owner, irrespective of which way they voted, to be honest, it's probably, who knows, when there's something I can do about it, then I'll have a think about it, but I've just no idea at the minute. Um, I think, you know, there's been a big increase in stuff coming out of the government recently, which is popping up on everything you look at on your phone and everywhere. So they're doing a decent job, I suppose, in getting that message in front of people. But um, I think the danger is that people are just so worn by it that they just ignore it and wait for something big to happen. Yeah, um, that big that could be crashing out on the 31st of October. Well, this is it. But, um, you know, I don't want to get political about it, but we're getting nothing from the politicians mm. at all, are we? and they probably haven't got a clue either, to be quite honest. So it's really unsatisfactory. But yeah, the overriding sentiment, I think, is one of, tell me when there's something concrete I can think about. Um, you know, some of the bigger businesses we deal with, they've, you know, I've had comments where they've said, well, look, people need to buy our stuff and, and we need to buy stuff from people. And we've already had the chat about if there's going to be tariffs, we need to put our price up. You're going to have to put your price up. So some people have said, you know, we've already had the worst case scenario conversations, if you like, in terms of supply chains. Um, but I think that's that's okay if you're a big business and you've got time to do it. I think for, for lots of local owner-managed companies, they've probably not got round to that yet. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's the, that's the sort of local sentiment that I get. Um, we do work with international businesses, so particularly with US companies, um, and, and they're very interested at the minute. So, uh, you know, the UK has always been a, a favoured destination for US investment just because of the culture and the language and things like that. But, um, yeah, speaking to some US advisors that they deal with, I think the weak pound and, um, you know, potential opportunities coming out of, you know, perhaps freer trade, that's, that's piquing some interest on the US side of things. Um, but other than that... We're all in the dark, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Really? All waiting. What a terrifying answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you could, you could have possibly said, but it just underlines yeah. the uh, ludicrousness I mean, of it all. Yeah. All, all I can say really is that what information there is, so, you know, the Chambers of Commerce are uh, kicking stuff out about, um, you know, exports and, you know, registrations and things like that. What information there is, please look at it. Mm. You know, it might be yeah. scant. But, you know, there are lots of organisations who are trying the best with this. Mm. Um, so, you know, I know everybody's busy, but if you are potentially affected, then then take the time to look at, you know, what information there is out there, um, albeit it might not be very much. Yeah, that's probably a good point to mention. We'll be talking about it later a bit, but we've got a... Um, an event coming up on the 9th of October um, to for tech companies to understand more about the implications of a no-deal Brexit. Mm. So that's the that's DCMS working with Tech Nation, Codec, and Tech UK. Um, and so there there is actually some some no-deal Brexit advice for tech companies that we that we need to share with people. So there'll be a post about that, and as I say, an event on the 9th. So um, we can actually you know give what is currently known about the yeah. you know. Potential impacts. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a downer, wasn't it? Um, mm. Let's let's see if we can pick things up a bit just to, to round off the. Well, apart from the idea that US investors might come in and we have we'll have more pendos. Yes. Know, fitting out some of our some of our light industrial um, buildings that are still available for, the, for developers to snap up around Sheffield. Chris is a glass half full guy as well. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. No, well, when I speak to um, folks overseas, advisors overseas that we work with. You know, the UK is not going to lose its sheen completely, I think, irrespective of what happens. You know, we we have got a strong, diverse economy and, you know, a, you know, a largely educated and skillful workforce. So, you know, whilst it might be messy in some respects, um, I don't, nobody I've spoken to is, is saying they're going to run a mile and, you know, never come anywhere near the UK again, but. Okay. I'll, I'll go with that. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> So um, just to round out, there was one more question we wanted to ask mm. you, which is what else are businesses thinking about at the moment? What, what is on people's minds? Because in the digital sector, a lot of it is about the talent pipeline and skills. And I wondered if that 
is something you see generally and what perhaps you think we could be doing about it? Um, so skills is definitely uh, a, a, a big item on on most people's agenda uh, in, in all the sectors that we come across. So, uh, you know, the skill shortage, if you like. Um, so, you know, when we have the conversations with companies about what they're doing that's clever, there's often a but, which is, but I'm running out of people who can do this. Mm. And when Fred retires, I don't know who we're going to get to do this. So, um, so th- th- this isn't new news, if you like. So, you know, around the, the sort of city structures, if you like, the Chambers of Commerce, the Local Enterprise Partnership, you know, universities, everybody's got this on the agenda. Um, so, you know, w- within shorts, we've got more trainees now than we've had for a long while um, because, you know, the, the talent pool is is not going to be big enough longer term, not just for us, but for, for the professional firms as well. So I think there's a bit of an acceptance that it, it stopped after the last recession and I think everybody's got a bit slower reinvesting mm. in, uh, in trainees again, if you like. Um, so as I say, there are, it's a bit like what we said earlier, there are lots of people trying very hard to sort this out. And again, it's back to busy business owners actually taking the time to listen to the voices that are saying, what about the colleges? What about apprenticeships? You know, what about graduate schemes? Um, and again, I think there's a there's perhaps a, a default position of I'm never going to find anybody. But if you accept that the number of people who can just turn up on day one and do exactly what you want are running dry, then I think everybody's got to get their head around training. So you've got to start somewhere. Um, you know, both ourselves and some of the companies that we deal with, um, you know, have taken graduates on who've progressed really quickly. Um, they've provided some fresh energy and ideas into what was already a pretty mature sort of environment, if you like. That can be permanent recruits. Uh, you can do knowledge transfer partnerships with the universities where y- you get somebody coming in and, and sort of lending a hand. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely high on the agenda. But as I said, there are lots of people trying very hard to, uh, to sort this out. So people just need to take advantage of what support there is out there in that regard. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed, Scott. It's been no, great talking to you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Okay, on to the news section of the podcast. Um, Last night it was, as we record, last night it was the uh, Sheffield Digital AGM, the annual general meetup. Yay! Um, How did it go? I couldn't make it. Hang on a sec. No, it was the night before, wasn't it? Yeah, we've been saying it was last night, but it, it wasn't. It was Wednesday. Yes, right. Which is which is which is all utterly irrelevant. I know it is, but I just I I just can't I can't carry on. Thinking it was last night because just, I can't go on. Crossing <laughs> with Chris's it ruins head. My, my mental aesthetic. For, for all of you listening, of course, you are in the future, so it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> so today is Friday. Right. On right. Wednesday night, it yes. was the Sheffield Digital. I'm sure, I did something else Lisa. last night. I'm sure, I did something else. <laughs> yeah. don't, we don't want to know. No, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> How did it go? It went great. Yeah, it was it was really nice. Yeah, yeah. so good. So really nice to see people there that um, we haven't seen in a long time. Mm. You know, some people that started that supported us right from the beginning. Yeah, um, you know, some of our founder members who were there who you know have not not really engaged for a couple of years because um, you know they're they've they've been too busy and yeah you know and now, yeah and are now in a much different position than they were yeah. <laughs> when they supported us so yeah. it was really nice and, and it was nice to meet new people as well there's quite there's some new new individual members members that um we talked to and and uh you know um really usefully after we'd done our presentation came up and told me about things that I wasn't aware of that I'm going to follow up on so it was really good 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 stuff yeah and um there was a really nice vibe in the room, which always makes these things fun to organise. The venue is brilliant. Just loved it. The yeah. food. oh. Remind, we, remind us where it was? It was at the Hyde on Scotland Street. Um, and the when you walk past it on the street, it looks like a cafe. So there's a small cafe at the front where they also 
have a coffee roaster. So when you walk in, it smells like heaven. Yeah. Um, bags of beans all over the bags floor. of beans and and loads of great food and cakes and that kind of thing. But behind the cafe area is these two big spaces, old industrial space that's just been cleared out and turned into just really flexible, usable venue um, and then they have these little foodie trucks parked in the space one is the bar and the other is where you get your hot food and what they do is they plate up the cold bit of the food and then you go and get your hot stuff from the foodie truck and you get a drink from the bar truck and I realize I'm talking a lot about food because it's lunchtime people and I'm really <laughs> hungry <laughs> well no I think you know food and drink kind of make it don't they they and do was, yeah the food was great it was it's really good options. Yeah, yeah. And the people who run the hide were super, super friendly and helpful, made it really easy for us to organise. So they do um, weddings and parties and all kinds of things. So if you're looking for an unusual venue with a really nice, friendly vibe, I'd recommend checking it out. I've been to a party there not long after it opened. The uh, the party of a former guest on this very show. Imagine that. It's exciting, Gosh, isn't it? everything just links back together, doesn't it? <laughs> but it was nice. It was a, a, quite an unusual venue, slightly unusual shaped rooms as well, I yeah. think, from mm. memory. Yeah. yeah, there's quite big columns in the in the you know, the the room that we did the presentations in and sat down. Yeah. Um but I think everybody managed to see and Yes, you know, yeah, we it did accommodated a everybody around. well. So. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, I mean, in terms of the content, uh, Chris and I gave just an update on where we've got to mm-hmm. from this time last year. And we talked about where we want to get to. And we talked about some of the challenges that we can see for Sheffield Digital in terms of how does it grow? What shape does it have? Mm. How does it continue to serve the needs of all of its members and all of the community? And we raised some questions and did get some really nice feedback forms filled in from people. Mm. But um, we need to find a way to share that presentation and share those questions so Mm. that other people can feedback on them as well. Um, And after Chris and I had done our bit, we had uh, Sally Bogg from Leeds Beckett University who came to talk about diversity and inclusion and talked about her experience of moving into a tech career as a working mum. Um, she's IT director at Leeds Beckett, not not academic. Yeah, she's served actually service head, oh, yeah, head, head of, of service, service at yeah. Leeds Beckett, um, and it was it was really interesting. She had some really really good points to make, and I could see a lot of heads nodding in the room. And I did a quick count, and out of uh, about forty five people in the room, there were six women, three of whom were Sheffield Digital. So that was myself, Sarah and Claire. Um, And so I kind of brought that to everybody's attention and there was some wry laughter and some agreement that, okay, that's something that needs addressing. Um, But yeah, Sally had some some great stuff to say as well. And Claire is writing up a blog post about the event and she'll write up a separate one about Sally's presentation so people will get to hear about what she said. Fantastic. Um, and perhaps maybe not today because I'm not sure we necessarily have time but perhaps we could talk about some of the stuff that you covered in your presentation yeah. in a future episode yeah. yeah that would be good maybe once you've once published it and got some more feedback we'll, we'll do a segment on it yeah um, but yeah I mean it's, it was interesting looking at you know revenue and just being open about where the money's spent and what on and how much and um, you know what that enables us to do and then looking at the priority list from last AGM and, and sort of evaluating what we've managed to achieve and what we haven't and uh, and a few things that we've done on top that weren't sort of on the, on the uh, agenda last year. Mm. Um, Next up we have a uh, Top Tech Yorkshire competition which we posted about on the Sheffield Digital blog mm-hmm. um, which the page is not loading now in front of me so I'm going to ask you to present the information I've to me. I've got it right here Ian so I'm ahead of you that's great. Um, so this is one of these things that we're seeing quite a lot of where people publish reports about the state of tech and what they want to do is highlight the companies who are interesting doing exciting stuff. This one is being led by a national law firm called Mills and Reeve who have an office in Leeds and they're doing it in conjunction with the businessdesk.com which is a, an online business magazine which has been around for quite a long time and has quite a good audience. What they want is to hear from companies who've developed world-leading technology, disrupting markets across industries, and whose technology and services are helping become leaders 
helping others become leaders in their fields. So um, they they just want to hear from companies and know about what you're doing. And I would encourage you to enter because it's just great PR. First of all, if you get shortlisted, then you get in front of a panel of judges who are going to hear about your company and what you do and then talk to other people about it. And if you win, if you get listed in their top tech list, then you get loads of publicity on the businessdesk.com and through the report that Mills and Reeve produce and which goes out nationally. Um, I will do full disclosure. I've been asked to be on the panel of judges. I think I am representing <laughs> South the South Yorkshire Massif um, because they didn't want it to be too lead-centric, which I think is also a good thing. I'm hoping I'm not the token female on the panel. I'm fairly sure I'm not, so that's good. Excuse me, that's good as well. Um, so yes, I did speak to them earlier this week and they said they hadn't had many entries from South Yorkshire. So if you're in South Yorkshire and you're listening, take 20 minutes while you have a cup of coffee and just enter. You never know. You might get loads of good free PR out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is hot on the heels of Business Cloud's um, Yorkshire Top 50 as well, which which I was a judge on last month. Um, and they're, they're doing that uh, sort of quarterly by region. So it'll be every once a year, there'll be a, a Yorkshire top 50. And I think about eight Sheffield companies got into the top 50 this time. Yeah. Uh, but I reckon we can do better the next year. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also we've been asked to be, to judge um, the, this year's uh, tech business awards, UK tech business awards again. Right. You did that last year. I, I remember. did. Yeah. yeah. So um, there'll be, um, requests to enter that going out as well very, soon, very shortly. Yeah. Free PR people, yeah. don't sniff at it. Indeed. Um, the UK Research and Innovation Future Leaders Fellowships, this is another post that we recently published on the Sheffield Digital website, so if you want to go and read about it, uh, you can do so there. In the meantime... So this one really caught my eye because from the, the title of it, Future Leaders Fellowship Scheme... It doesn't really explain what it is, but if you dig into the detail, it's funding to train people and it's funding to really upscale or attract somebody into your organisation. And the funding covers salaries and operational costs. So if you're looking either to, you know, let someone who's got some great potential in your organisation expand that and learn new stuff and, and get skilled up and they need some equipment to help them do that, then there's funding available. If you're looking to track, attract someone into your organisation to bring a certain skill set, then that's worth looking at as well. Um, and these things aren't just for the big companies. I think, um, you know, the Innovate UK and, and those guys, they really want to work with small businesses. They mm. understand that a lot of the innovation goes on in small businesses. So again, you can't do you any harm and it could be free money. So why wouldn't you do it? You could, you could have some good sort of pithy, <laughs> pithy, <laughs> pithy strapline or reasons for doing these competitions. Always, it's like, why wouldn't you? People are just going to go, well, well I've got, you're right. I, free money. <laughs> free money, free publicity. Yes, exactly. It all counts. Yeah. Um, so we already talked about this earlier in the show yeah. when we spoke to Scott. Um, and this is the No Deal Brexit Preparations event, mm -hmm. which is taking place on the 9th of October between 4.30 and 6.30 in a town centre venue. You know, you don't get to find that out. You just have to go into the town centre and hope for the best. <laughs> I that's too it's, it will very likely be at the Electric Works. Okay. Um, I haven't confirmed yet, but that is where it will very likely be. And there will very likely be an event bright about it um, by the time you hear this podcast. See, sometimes being in the future is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just puts pressure on me to actually get it done. <laughs> to but. stay on topic, you could just leave it to the very last minute, tell nobody anything, and then just hope that it all works out. Yeah. I oh, could, burn. <laughs> <laughs> I could just tell everybody there's a plan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think you just did. Say, say you're making great progress on the plan. Absolutely. Yeah. But then so, everyone else will go, we haven't seen a plan. Someone's going to no progress my being made. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's going to happen there? How's it, uh, how's it going to work? So, um, so really it's, uh, it's an opportunity for, um, Codec, which is a, an advocacy group for startups in, in, 
in the UK. Um, they, they, they were commissioned by DCMS to um, put together some advice for tech companies about the implications of a no-deal Brexit. So this covers things like um, data safe havens, uh, you know, what what's going to happen if your if your data is stored in the European Union and you're storing it under European data um, data haven um, rules? Um, what what if you're employing um, EU residents? Um, you know how does how is GDPR going to be upheld? You know there's there's a whole range of kind of areas that they've looked at and and advice they've got in in each of those and they want a platform to come and explain that to um, to local tech communities, and and so um, DCMS have um, have done this with Codec and with Tech UK, and uh, have asked Tech Nation to disseminate this. Um, but also, they've asked local tech clusters to disseminate this as well. So this is actually, you know, this has kind of come about through the tech clusters group as well, um, where if you remember. Um, Mel and the other people from UK tech clusters went to Downing Street back in June, I think it was, wasn't it? Beginning July, of July, July. Yeah. Um, to talk about how um, government should start to really think about using the tech cluster, the local, locally based tech clusters to disseminate information and to work with um, on engagement. Uh, and so DCMS, you know, to their credit, have um, gone out to Tech Nation and to the local, to the tech clusters group to say, you know, can you, can you support getting this information across? And so um, that's what we're doing. And, you know, they've made a small bit of funding available for us to put this event on. We're trying, we're looking to attract between 40 and 60 businesses um, to come and uh, debate this and, and listen to the advice. And Dom Hellas from Codec is going to be coming up and presenting it, who put the report together. Um, and so it's, it's an opportunity for, for, for them to feed this advice back and for there to be a discussion about what it means on the ground and we're also going to get some local experts to come and uh, present their view of things from a Sheffield perspective. So, so people like Scott or, or someone from Shorts, uh, and probably uh, someone from from a legal company as well. What what kind of uh, tech company in Sheffield do you think would benefit from coming to it? Well, I, I mean, it really covers covers a lot. I mean, any any company that um, that offers a service or stores data um, that you know, or employs people from the European Union. So, I mean, it's it, it, the advice is very broad on on this stuff. But you know, I think especially if you're a data and uh, a software company, if you're running a SaaS, for example, you know what what are the implications? What are the implications going to be over over um, you know payment systems um, if we crash out? Yeah, I think. I mean, much as we all really, really hope and pray that we do not crash out without a deal at the end of October for all kinds of reasons, it's the sensible thing is to be at least prepared. somewhat prepared or at least to have thought about what the implications yeah. might be. And I would say you should probably just come along to this event whether you think it applies to you or not, because there are so many unknowns and so many uncertainties. Stuff's going to come out in conversation it's, and you never know what you're going to learn by coming along. No, I mean, I mean, I, to me, it, to me, it's a business continuity yeah. event, right? It's like business continuity, information and discussion yeah. for, um, what's about two hour event? Yeah. Yeah. And um, after the event, I think we'll be able to make the codec paper available yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. But yes, please, please do for for your own good. Please come along. <laughs> okay, um, I think that's enough for that, isn't it? Yes, definitely <laughs> um, for one podcast. Um, uh, our final update is um, about curious art. So this relates to the last episode where we spoke to Katie Taylor, who is. Uh, part of the team at Collider on the top floor. So she talks us through what's happening there and the tech incubator um, and all of the fantastic companies and work that's going on. But she mentioned briefly in that uh, episode that the floor below, I think, I'm never, I'm never quite yes. sure about the, yeah. the layer cake, I'm not quite sure where the layers are, um, that uh, there is going to be a, an arts incubator as well. And the person organising that at the moment, the co-founder, is uh, Letty Butler, and she happened to speak at Sheffield Content Club last night. It's the meetup that I organised. 
I was probably sat there at the sides, not listening properly, thinking about what I was going to say. So maybe Mel, I don't know, you were there in the front row. So I was there. You were at least yeah. closer. So I don't know. Yeah, if- <laughs> yeah. Content Club was brilliant. I didn't get to the first one, but it was really nice to go along. And uh, I had a really good evening. Um, yes. So the as I understand it, the eventual plan for that floor of the of Castle House is that it provides a whole bunch of different facilities for people who are running creative industry businesses. So there will be, for example, a podcasting studio and um, post-production suites. And I would assume perhaps a photography studio, maybe green screen, maybe motion capture, who knows, but all the things that people at the creative end of the, you know, that old term CDI sector the sorts of facilities that they need. And the idea is, is to build a community of artists and creative practitioners working together in that space and uh, using those facilities. Now, obviously, it takes a while to do that in a building and create those spaces, but they wanted to get some stuff happening quite early on. So the beginning thing is the writer's hub, and that's already happening um, and that's something that you can join. It's sort of a co-working deal aimed at people who write and not just people who write novels or, or poetry, but people who write anything, I think, who are involved in the creative process of writing. It's something that I think perhaps I could go to and, and be part of. Um, so it's, Letty described it as part production facility, part performance space, part creative incubator to become an interdisciplinary creative hub. And I think that's a marvellous idea. I love the idea that you could go there and see some performance or hear some music. Oh yeah, there's going to be musician studios as well. Um, So it sounds very, very cool. And uh, you can get involved with it now, I understand. Yeah, and her call to action at the end of yesterday, the the event was for people to give her feedback and tell her what, what, what they want, basically. And the way that I've kind of, uh, I've spoken to her and everything you just said is, is true, Mel. Oh, good. <laughs> just so <laughs> <let> you know. <laughs> no fake news here, people. <laughs> um, and uh, and so the way that I kind of think about it, because I'm in the, I guess, oh, well, there are lots of people in this position, but we, we kind of, forgive me for saying this word again, I said it last night, but straddle the, the art side of things, but also the kind of tech digital side of things. The fact that... Um, Collider is in the, uh, Collider's the whole thing, isn't it? The fact that the tech incubator is in the top, mm. it makes me think that what's going to be in the new arts incubator is you can also define it by what, what it's not. So it's, it's not super techy, like mm. you're doing all the, yeah. you know, the, all of the things like web development and, um, you know, other making apps or more, more of the tech side of digital. Yeah. I'm getting all over the place with my glossary. Um, <laughs> then the more creative side of the, the industry could mm sit nicely on the row mm-hmm. below is the way that I think it's intended. But yes, yeah, so post-production and, and having a place to, to either kind of, um, I, I think to, to be permanently or at least on, on individual projects that last uh, a certain length of time. I think that's going to be one way of doing it. Yeah. But I think also if you just want to uh, use the facilities to wrap up a video or to take some quality photography or to record your good quality podcasts, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think I, it's that too. I think, I think the, the, the seed of the idea goes back to what um, Adrian Hackett was talking about, you know, back two, two and a half years ago when, you know, when they were first pitching for, for, you know, the, the, the money, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he was, I remember having conversations with him and I remember being in meetings with, with others where he was talking about, yeah, it's the money's for a tech accelerator, but what the city really needs is storytelling. Um, yeah. So it's, I think it's part of, you know, part of what he's always felt the city really needs. It's, it's a city full of stories. We need the facilities to be able to tell the stories. And, you know, it's sort of part of raising the profile of Sheffield and part of, you know, bringing prosperity to Sheffield and showing attention and getting attention to Sheffield is the ability to tell stories. So I, I really think this is like, this is the, the physical, you know, incarnation of, of that, that idea that, 
we need to be telling more stories and and more diverse stories and actually access to the to the means with it with which to tell stories is a crucial part of what the offer was always intended to be so yeah. it's great to see it come to fruition like this yeah but, i'm really excited about it I, I i'm just imagining this amazing space and hoping that it lives up to my imagination <laughs> I'm sure it will. So yes, if anyone has any thoughts or wants to kind of help shape that, then get in touch with Letty Butler. Um, and they have a Twitter account, which I think is Arts Curious, not Curious Arts. Um, and the website is up, which is curious.art. And the crucial thing is that it's curious with a K. Yes, <laughs> as in Collider. Indeed. Uh, they've really run with it, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that the, the name of the... Curious Arts. So curious K- Arts. K-U-R-I-U-S. Right. Okay. That's the rest of Curious. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Fact. No, no problem. <laughs> also true. Um, and uh, and that's it. So just to tell you on uh, about memberships. So members who have joined since the last time, we have, uh, for companies, we have Target Information Systems and BJSS. So thank you to those two companies. And uh, on the individual side of things, we have Michael Barker and Igor Lavrov. And uh, so thank you to them too. Yeah. And uh, that's it. If you want to subscribe to the show, which would be the best idea ever, you can do that in Apple Podcasts or wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. You can find out more at sheffield.digital slash podcast. And we post all of the episodes in the form of blog posts with an embedded player to the site. That's it. We'll see you later. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Mel. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye. Bye.